0: They they really, they really killed many Muslims got killed, many Muslim women got killed, raped, and there's no doubt about that. And still obviously uh, there's so when we say it is a Hindu genocide, it is not that what we want to say, it is not that what how we we, we saw that, it is how the perpetrators saw that, how they perceived it, the perpetrators perceived perceived it. Perpetrators looked at the Hindus to kill for being Hindus. It is not that we are uh, describing this uh, or the way we want to know. And also the all uh, hundreds of thousands and millions of other people like Muslims being killed not for being Muslims, as I said already. already. So that's why it is it should be called Hindu genocide, Bengali Hindu genocide rather than Bengali genocide.
1: Welcome to That's So Hindu, the podcast brought to you by the Hindu American Foundation. I'm Matt McDermott. In this episode, Samir Kalra speaks with Ashok Karmakar, attorney and chairman of the Bangladesh Hindu-Buddhist Christian Unity Council, USA. They speak about the events of the 1971 Bengali Hindu genocide and how it affected his family personally. As we commemorate April as Genocide Awareness Month, we're joined by a very special guest, Ashok Garmaker, to talk about the 1971 Bengali Hindu Genocide, a tragic historical event that many people are still not aware of. Ashok Garmaker is chairman of the Board of Governors, Bangladesh Hindu Buddhist Christian Unity Council. Based in New York City, Mr. Garmaker is an attorney with a private practice largely focused on asylum and other immigration issues. Prior to coming to the United States, Mr. Karmaker worked as a judge for nearly five years as a member of the judiciary of Bangladesh and later served three years as a consul officer of the Honorable Minister for Law, Justice and Parliamentary Affairs of Bangladesh. Mr. Karmaker holds a master's in human rights from the Institute of Commonwealth Studies, University of London, an LLM from the Columbia University Law School and its member of the New York Bar. Ashok Karmakar is also a good friend of the Hindu American Foundation, so it's our pleasure to welcome him to our podcast today. Welcome, Ashokta. Thanks for joining us. Namaste, and thank you for having me. Great. So, Ashokta, to get started, uh, can you just tell us a little bit background about yourself and the work that you do currently with the Bangladesh Hindu Buddhist Christian Unity Council?
0: Uh, Thank you, uh, Ashokta. Actually, um, this is a question close to my heart. This is, a, this is an issue that is a great issue for me, uh, for being a Hindu, for being a Bangladeshi, and for being a Bengali. And um, also, a war victim, uh, the whole family, like many others, millions of others. And I have been through this, um, actually, been in the refugee camp in India and uh, went through all this devastation that happened in Bangladesh. Uh, we lost our relatives, we lost our uh, during the 1971, no reparation was paid. No, 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 it was not even recognized uh, that it was a real genocide against Hindus in Bangladesh, uh, Bengali Hindus. Uh, but, you know, um, uh, actually, uh, I, we are um, it is, um, uh, organizing these things, as, um, 50 years commemoration of the event 1971 to 2021. 20, so it's a not very good to see at least that uh, after 50 years, people did not forget really. We thought that it was forgotten. Uh, but um, uh, thanks to people like you and organizations like have, uh, we see these uh, issues are being coming up and people are recognizing, thanks to your efforts, and obviously we are trying our level best to uh, to draw attention to the um, to the uh, all public opinion to more public opinion to the attention of the people uh, of the civilized world that what happened to us uh, it should not be ignored only because we are we do not have anyone in this uh, in, in this part of the world or we do not have enough people to raise the voice. but it is required not for us only for the future generation for the whole world because uh, things happen might happen in a way, uh, that people might not know very clearly, but when it comes to light, when it is brought to light, they should they, they should deserve attention that they really deserve. Uh, it, it is good that um, we are uh, talking about this thing, and everybody like um, you are uh, taking this initiative. I really thanks uh, even the American Foundation for taking this uh, issue so seriously that it was never uh, given that importance, that seriousness that really it really deserved. Uh, so many people um, have been killed, tortured, raped. Uh, more than three million, about three million people were killed, and more than two hundred thousand women were killed, raped, and um, in many ways, uh, most of them are Hindus. Uh, but you know, it it, it never uh, got the attention that it really deserved. But um, uh, as I said, like uh, we have been trying to draw the attention, but you know, our efforts were not enough to. Uh, bring it to that um, uh, forefront, but you know, obviously, with the help of uh, everybody that concerned, people like you and organization that really made, um, care about human rights and um, the persecution against persecution. So we are happy. We are we really salute you guys. I really uh, appreciate your initiative. And um, uh, Bangladesh Hindu Buddhist Christian Unity Council that I, I chair right now, uh, we have been trying this for uh, many years now. And actually, in this form, we have been trying to make it more formal. Uh, so our, our job uh, what we uh, our goal is to uh, create awareness among people that what is happening, what happened in nineteen seventy one and uh, onward, like uh, still today, uh, we do not see the change in uh, nature, that persecution that had been, going on, now it still has been going on. That is unfortunate because Bangladesh, and uh, I should go back to uh, the history or history of Bangladesh, that like how it happened. Bangladesh, um, so a little bit um, before, like in 1947, um, most of you know that um, India was partitioned in two countries uh, based on religious beliefs, and obviously uh, India, yeah. um, Hindu-dominant India and Muslim-dominant um, Pakistan. Uh, but uh, there was uh, something uh, I should say, I, I do not still know why, uh, even though they are built, uh, they were created on the basis of religion, but all two countries, both countries, they have their minorities kept, like Hindus in, in, the Pagi- in Pakistan, Hindu-Buddhist Christians and Sikhs in Pakistan, and uh, Bangladesh uh, um, at the time, Pakistan had Hindu-Buddhist uh, and Sikh Christians minorities. So uh, anyway, that happened. So these people became uh, really victims. Uh, the people who, uh, were, who left in Pakistan, they uh, became victims. I, I can go back and see. In '47. if you know that uh, at that time, um, the number of uh, minorities or percentage of minorities were large um, in, in Pakistan in both sides. <laughs> But uh, coming to like in uh, 1970, uh, it it really reduced to like um, uh, only 14% at that time in Bangladesh that didn't East Pakistan and uh, West Pakistan, it became even less than 4%. But when it, in 1947, the number was the percentage was much higher than that and more than 30% or 35% in, in Bangladesh and East Pakistan. And. Uh, even in US Pakistan, it was also about 20%. So, uh, so systematic persecution was going on. The number itself shows um, that uh, something happened. That's why the uh, these minorities, uh, the number of minorities, the percentage of minorities really went down that long, that much. And um, it was very dramatic and drastic. Uh, but nobody, nobody really cared about that. And it never uh, drew the attention of the international, um, international arena and uh, national politics did not play any uh, any part in it. So anyway, um, so we come to that point. In 1971, actually, it, it started happening soon after the partition in 1947. Bangladesh started uh, East Pakistan at the time called the, the Nest Pakistan. They started feeling that they are not being uh, fairly treated by West Pakistanis. So, um, so sense of discrimination, a lack of fair share of Things and uh, even though uh, East Pakistan was uh, over, overpopulated, like uh, out, outnumbered the uh, West Pakistanis, and still uh, the uh, what do you say that all the allocations, the distribution of wealth, were very uh, unfair and unequal, obviously, and um, most um, distribution of wealth were, were, which used to go to. West Pakistan. So, Bangladeshis at that time, the East Pakistanis started feeling even though they were, um, uh, they really led this uh, partition, uh, you know, um, Bangladeshi uh, at that time, this East Pakistani leader uh, who actually uh, put that um, uh, the Lahore, uh, Lahore proposal uh, that was placed by uh, one Indian East Pakistani leader, Shari Bangla Puzlul and ultimately they, they became really victim and they uh, could not. Get the fair share. Uh, so at that time it was Muslim League um, in, in in Bangladesh in, in East Pakistan. It is there too. Um, so ultimately um, they started feeling this uh, sense of um, uh, not uh, discrimination. Uh, so uh, at that point um, the leader, uh, we call him Bangabandhu Sheikh Mujibur Rahman, who led the uh, liberation, uh, the country uh, the liber- to the liberation. Uh, actually, uh, his party was Awami League, or at that time it was Awami Muslim League. Uh, so they changed the name from Awami Muslim League to Awami League to accommodate Hindus. Uh, very much tactical portion, tactical. Um, uh, obviously, after 50 years now, it seems to me and many others like me, that uh, changing the name uh, from uh, deleting, deleting Muslim, the word Muslim from Awami Muslim League, was a very tactical, a strategical um, uh, thing, not was a principle one, because they believed, and uh, Sheikh Mujib was very much um, uh, vocal about that, that he wanted Hindu people to be with uh, his party so that he could fight effectively against West Pakistanis. Uh, so I should go back to the uh, number, uh, what existed at the time of 1970. 1970 uh, is the year that we have to remember that um, in that year, Pakistan had a meaningful and uh, real um, election, uh, constituent assembly election, where uh, its people could vote freely and fairly. And comparatively, obviously, this was the first time, and uh, we all already know that uh, since the birth of Pakistan, there was no really election. It was always under military rule, this or that. But in 1970, the election was held mostly fairly, I believe. So, um, during that election, ultimately Awami League came out victorious. Um, there was 13, uh, uh, 313 seats in the Constituent Assembly. Awami League won uh, 167 out of uh, 169 in uh, for East uh, Pakistan. And uh, in the PPP or Pakistan People's Party, um, led by Jilfi Ali Bhutto, won 81 seats. So actually, uh, Sheikh Mujib was supposed to form the government as per the Constitution and as per the democracy, major major party democracy. But he was not allowed to. So I I will focus on the number now uh, because uh, that will uh, help us to understand the motive of the. Uh, you know, you know, the perpetrators um, the, uh, the uh, West Pakistan, why they were motivated, uh, what really motivated them to kill Hindus, uh, torture Hindus, uh, rape Hindu girls more uh, than other groups. Uh, I, I can uh, just give you that statistic. In 1970, uh, just I have these um, statistics from source. Um, I can tell you the name of the... <clears throat> the International Journal of Environmental Science and Development, uh, Volume 1, Number 2, June 2010. <clears throat> Excuse me. So it shows that uh, in 1970, um, the population of Ibn in uh, West Pakistan um, uh, was about 61 million. And in East Pakistan, it was 69 million something. So... Uh, in uh, the number of Muslims in East Pakistan was 59 million and uh, number of minorities, mostly Hindus, a little over 1 million. So Hindus comprise about uh, 10 million Hindus and 59 million Muslims, 10 million Hindus, and 69 million altogether in East Pakistan uh, and in West Pakistan, uh, 59 million Muslims and um, Minority is two million something, and total 61 million. So only the, if you talk about the Muslim population, uh, compared in East Pakistan compared to West Pakistan, uh, West Pakistan outnumbered East Pakistan by 615,452 people. That means West Pakistan had more Muslim people population than East Pakistan. But East Pakistan really outnumbered West Pakistan because of the minority population and mostly Hindus, that is one million Hindus. So you'll understand that Pakistan, West Pakistan, when they thought of not transferring power to League, even though League won most seats, they knew it will, they will never be able to hold the power that they had been doing unless they can change the demography mm-hmm. so they wanted to perpetuate their dominance in the nation by creating a muslim people muslim population they know in that muslim po- people if most people are muslims or all people are muslims there is no way ahmedi could win this also you can now I can also <laughs> add with this. So Awami could not win a single seat in West Pakistan, mm. and and uh, PPP could not win a single seat in East Pakistan. <clears throat> but there are Awami, Muslim League, and other parties. They re- really received some votes in in East Pakistan, mm. but Awami could not really win a, a, any. Significant vote in West Pakistan. That means there are lots of Muslims in East Pakistan who voted for West Pakistani political party based on uh, or based in West Pakistan. So if you see that way, and also uh, if you know that at that time the uh, literacy um, among Hindus were much higher than Muslims. Mm-hmm. So it, it is uh, historically true that Hindus are more into uh, voting process because they are uh, more in educated, more educated, that's why. So even if you see this uh, number of people who went for voting, uh, disproportionately Hindus will be there.
1: Mm-hmm. If so uh, has- Ashok, that just one quick uh, question there. You mentioned that uh, some of the people, Muslims in East Pakistan voted for West Pakistani political parties. What yeah. was the reason for that uh, was it were they voting more along the lines of religion was that the reason or was there some other factors uh, is there any indication of what the reasons for that were
0: uh, actually uh, uh, first of all yes if, uh, you know um, it can be understood because um, uh, when it comes um, when uh, sheikh moody was running his election campaign obviously he, he was uh, mentioning about Bengali nationalism Instead of mm-hmm. Islamic nationalism because to include Hindus mm-hmm. uh, and uh, the parties, uh, even the Muslim League, Najami Islam, Jamaat Islam, whatever they were, they were for Islamic uh, integrative kind of integrative of Islamic nation. So Pakistan was born as Islam, was an Islamic country. So they saw it uh, it was very clear they saw it as uh, a disintegration of Pakistan means it is a defeat for Islam true or not true. We know it is not true, but historically, that, that is the perspective or that is the perception of this party. So it was on religious lines they try to keep Pakistan alive and mm-hmm. integrated. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was obviously on um, religious lines. And uh, so what's Pakistan is, as I said, like I try to make it um, uh, you know, clear that why they will be interested in disseminating uh, this, this whole Hindu population, because Buddhists and Christians also are minorities, but they are never significant. So they really never mattered uh, that Whether if, even if they are there, obviously it will not be um, a bar for them, not be a hindrance for them to uh, keep in their power. It was the Hindus, the number of Hindus they could uh, drive away, they could kill and annihilate. Um, that, that way they can just perpetuate their own, um, own hold on to power. Uh, so as I said, like the number of people and like population that will show that, and obviously uh, after that, we are also researching on that more. That during this um uh, during this um liberation war in 1971 uh, started on 25th of March, uh, the way they are all the time, the West Pakistanis and their collaborators in Bangladesh, they tried to show or depict that the war was actually um you know in. in uh, Incited by Hindus and mm-hmm. India, and um, we should also here to understand that uh, to them uh, still today they equate Hindu Hindu with India. Mm-hmm. To them, India means Hindu. Hindu means India. The vice versa. So, like when they say India is uh, doing it, that means Hindus are doing it. When they say Hindu Hindus are doing it, that means Hindu- India is doing it. So they try to make it like India means. Hindu, even though India is uh, obviously you know, still today, it is a secular country. Uh, anyway, uh, my point is here, so they always try to show that Hindus are the ones who are the troublemakers. <clears throat> They're the provocators, and they try to, you know, are, uh, um, they try to provoke these um, Bengali people, Muslim Bengali Muslims, against uh, Islamic uh, uh, disintegration of Pakistan. Um, so, since they perceived this way, they uh, looked at the whole issue in this way, you know, without looking at uh, the main issue, like it was about discrimination, the way they treated uh, the Bengalis, and everyone will tell you that what happened, even people who are still alive, and who were in in even government jobs, and they know what happened to them, I have many uh, people, my teacher, um, who was um, uh, who went to Columbia Law, um, Law School and um, did his PhD there? He could not have his, and he is a Muslim, and um, he could not. He was um, uh, awarded with full bright scholarship, and he told me he was not even given his passport for two years, so he had to defer his admission for second year, and the third year when he wanted to defer it, uh, university said they could not do it anymore. So he was just um, he, he he thought that he was undone. He could not be doing uh, able to do anything. Ultimately, one of his uh, students that who used to work on uh with uh, the Polish, uh, he helped him to get his uh, passport on the third years, only to uh, obviously to get Bishar to he had to go to Islamabad in Pakistan. So all these grievances that um, the Bengalis had. Yeah against uh, pakistan so that really motivated uh, motivated them to uh, go away part away uh, their path uh, from pakistan so nothing to do with religion that uh, because it was uh, really it was muslims most muslims in pakistan East pakistan they felt that way and hindus obviously uh, hindus were always second class, third class uh, citizen you know i, I should say that uh, hindus were always third class still today the first uh, class, citizen um, in Bangladesh is uh, Muslims and poor Muslims are second class and third class all um, all minorities, including Hindus. So anyway, so it was not that Hindus were the uh, we had the grievances only. Uh, we had the most grievances, but we could not do anything. Uh, so it was um, the Muslims they, who led it, and obviously, ultimately, they became uh, president, they became prime minister, and, and even in. Um, <coughs> It's even in um, 1972, when the um, Sheikh Mujib formed the government, uh, Hindus were not given any really uh, big position other than two positions. So, you know, uh, if, even though it has been, they tried to show it is a depicted as Hindu revolution or Hindu strength, it was not. Uh, so um, my point is, it was a Hindu, uh, some West Pakistanis really tried to, Show the people that it was uh, the Hindus they were doing, and that way they were also trying to annihilate the Hindu population. Mm-hmm. So uh, there is no doubt about that. All the contemporary uh, publication, all the news coming from uh, coming from Dhaka at that time, uh, obviously uh, most of the time uh, these uh, journalists could not reach to the interior part of the country. But uh, all the things, uh, times are coming from them. They would show that. Um, the Pakistanis were uh, uh, prone to, they were uh, in, uh, intending to kill the Hindus first, and uh, when they started it, uh, this operation, such like uh, the codenamed, right, um, in, um, on 25th of March, 1971, uh, they started um, killing people indiscriminately, but, mind it here, uh, when they killed it indiscriminately other people, but they targeted the mostly Hindu majority area, like in Dhaka in, in University, they shoot up on Jagannath Hall. I, I, mm-hmm. I came from Jagannath Hall too, I, I went there. So, and there uh, they, they killed everyone. And they also went to um, raided other other halls too, but in, in nowhere uh, the, uh, they were so murderous. That means uh, I, they went to Shakari Bazaar where the Hindus usually live. So, all this initial from the initial day, first day, everyone knew that this whole thing is targeted on Hindus for being Hindus, for their religious belief, and they targeted um, also Bengalis that who are Muslims, but not for being Muslims, but for being supporter of a political party or for being supporter of independence, for being uh, not supporting uh, these, uh, you know, atrocities. So if they really, really killed, many Muslims got killed, many Muslim women got killed, raped, and there's no doubt about that, and still, obviously, uh, so when we say it is a Hindu genocide, it is not that what we want to say. It is not that what how we, we, we saw that. It is how the perpetrators saw that, mm-hmm. how they perceived it, the perpetrators perceived it. Perpetrators looked at the Hindus, to kill for being Hindus, it is not that we are uh, describing this uh, or the way we want to know, and also the all uh, hundreds of thousands and millions of other people like Muslims being killed not for being Muslims, as I said already. Already, so that's why it is it should be called Hindu genocide, Bengali Hindu genocide, rather than Bengali genocide. And nothing, we are, that way we are not just um, downgrading that, uh, that, uh, the massacre like that, that was done initiated by West Pakistanis. No way.
1: Yeah, You know, Ashok, I think you make a very important point there. And I just want to um, just talk, divert a little bit there, because I think we see a lot of people downplaying the fact that Hindus were specifically targeted. And as you mentioned, the motivation um, was specifically going after Hindus. And that's pretty well documented in terms of going after Hindu, known Hindu villages, targeting Jagannath Hall, which was well known as a minority uh, university hall at Dhaka University. You know, there were even reports of um, of, uh, army officials in conjunction with their local collaborators actually looking to see if uh, the men were circumcised or not to tell if they were (laughs) Muslims or Hindus. Um, And so we, I think we know that. And I think when we say that, that's not, as you mentioned, we're not denying that Muslims suffered, uh, as well. But I think we're talking about within the definition of international law that there the intent by the perpetrators and the motivation was specifically to wipe out or drive out in whole or in part a particular population. And that was the Hindus. They weren't trying to wipe out the entire Bengali Muslim population. They were trying to put down. The nationalists or the independence movement, but they were, and this is, I think, well recorded and documented, trying to exterminate or drive out uh, the Hindu population. Uh, and I think even in the post judicial. Uh, inquiry within Pakistan, and I think it was the Hamdur commission, Pakistani mm-hmm. military officials were on record admitting, even though they downplayed the severity and the scale, but they admitted targeting Hindus specifically, um, and even joking about it in terms of how many Hindus did you kill today? Uh, so they, we know that there was an intent. And, and I think that's important to, to emphasize that with when we talk about genocide, a lot of it has to do not just with the scale of obviously the killing or the targeting, but also what was the intent? What was the motivation? And I think that's when we talk about this as a Bengali Hindu genocide, as you rightly pointed out, again, it's not downplaying or minimizing that Muslims are also affected, but it's specifically talking about it within the context of international law and the targeting and the motivations behind going after Hindus in particular. So I think that's a really important point that you brought up. Um, you know, one thing I also wanted to follow up on here is that When we talk about collaborators, um, obviously the West Pakistani army, you know, planned this out and they were responsible for a lot of atrocities, but they got a lot of help from local groups. Uh, Can you talk a little bit about who those groups were, how they actually worked with the Pakistani army? What was that um, relationship like? You know, how did they work to, you know, uh, commit atrocities or target Hindus um, and who were the groups specifically involved?
0: Okay, thank you. Um, actually, uh, we already know that uh, Muslim League, that on the party, um, uh, there are lots of supporters of Muslim League in, in East Pakistan at that time, and um, Najami Islam, Jamaat-e-Islam. So there, these groups, Islamic groups, they started like, working together, and at that time, they formed new uh, entities like al badr Rajakars, uh, so and they also formed peace committee in every um, uh, everywhere like uh, in every union we call them sub district, right? So they called, they formed those um, uh, those committees and these um, this forces auxiliary forces to um, Pakistani army. Uh, and um, so you know they they used to um, go and also you know I should I can go back I'm sorry uh, that when I was discussing this, but these people. Yeah, also, you know, we should mention that um, West Pakistan is never wanted to kill all Muslims in Bang- in East Pakistan because if their collaborators were Muslims. There are no Hindu collaborators, no uh, Christian collaborators. So, all collaborators were Muslims. So, collaborators, they did not want to kill the collaborators, and collaborators are Muslims and they are Bengali too. So, the West Pakistan is never wanted to kill Muslims for being Muslim. That is one point. And also, these people actually are uh, these um, Rajakars, these Al-Badars. They were like auxiliary forces um, with the um, Pakistani army. They used to um, like give them information. They used to do work for them, and they used to, um, you know, kind of spying on um, in, in East Pakistani people who were, uh, for first of all, who were Hindus. They used to help them to uh, mark the houses of Hindus because West Pakistan had no clue where the Hindu houses, who the Hindus are. So these, these people will be doing everything for them. So, and then sometimes they used to even um, you know, capture them, arrest them and hand them, hand them over to uh, West Pakistanis. You know, um, another in, a, a, a important thing that I missed before that was, um, you know, the ICT or International Crimes Tribunal in Bangladesh that was formed in 2009. And they started um, in the first case in 2011. Uh, there was num- uh, case number one of 2011 against uh, Dilawar Saidi. Uh, that is called um, Chief the Chief Prosecutor versus Dilawar Saidi. In that case, actually, um, the, the ICT um, took uh, charge him uh, for genocide. And uh, the judgment, obviously, and they also decided that he committed the crime of genocide. So, and that was against Hindu people. So, they did not elaborate on much. They did not say that it was um, the genocide of Hindus uh, altogether, but they said that with the intent, uh, with the definition of um, genocide, you know, that uh, uh, with the intent to kill um, a group whole, or in whole or in part. So, they mentioned this very, um, uh, very clearly. In uh, their paragraph 182, paragraph page 85, the court held him responsible for genocide. So actually, ICT also uh, somehow recognizes the fact that uh, the genocide happened and done and committed against Hindus. Uh, In nowhere, they really uh, mentioned that they committed genocide against Muslims or um, other hominid people. So it does not come within the jurisdiction or with the definition of genocide. So I do not think it is really uh, a disputed fact. It is an established fact, and people are disputing this with a malafide intention Mm -hmm. because they don't want to get it recognized. You know, it it happened because people who were not even, uh, who did not come to this world at that time, now they try to change the history. And obviously the collaborators, they had an intention obviously to uh, save themselves. But it's very interesting, or it's very unfortunate to see people after so many years they will try to change the uh, you know narrative of a, of a human tragedy that really uh, was different, right? Mm-hmm. So um, I I do not think that um, it is a really a disputed fact that of the Hindu genocide. On and also and as you said, there are other people on um, uh, on the side that they will try to show that try to say that. The number, the three million were never true. And as you already mentioned, uh, in a, in a, in a, in a, the definition of genocide does not give you any number that what number, how many people to be killed to be considered as genocide. It is all about the intent. It is not about the number. So still they try to, you know, they're trying to catch it at a straw, drowning man, because they know that uh, this was really genocide and they're trying to uh, try to dispute it with the number, though, you know what, 3 million people could not be killed in nine months. So even if it is not 3 million, obviously we have uh, the different sources, like uh, in different foreign uh, news, uh, news media, they, they mentioned and everything, all the basis, the number was, uh, number was given, the 3 million. But uh, even if it is not 3 million, that doesn't mean that it was not genocide. If it is 1 million, that should be enough. If it is only 500,000, that should be enough. So uh, number, it doesn't matter as you mentioned, and I think they were, whoever trying to dispute it with a malafide intention, uh, so that the, the uh, perpetrators, the culprits, not to be uh, charged for their misdeeds and the, uh, the states that who are involved in the state, uh, the state of Pakistan should not be charged and should not be uh, brought into a caution and justice. Uh, that's why they're trying. So, so they have a malafide intention. I, we, I do not think that uh, it will be that will really um, hold on. So we can uh, all, we can always prove that it was really genocide against Hindus, and uh, it should be uh, treated that way. It should be uh, the people should be getting justice.
1: Sure. No, and I think you know the, the, this whole uh, debate over statistics. I think you make a great point because. You know, even if you know, and we have, first of all, always asserted that we don't know the exact number of Hindus that were killed. We do know that it the majority of those that were killed, whatever that final number is, we know ranges, whatever that um, final number of those that fled and uh, sought refuge in India, the majority were Hindus. And those that were, uh, suffered sexual violence that were women, we know the majority were Hindus. We've never asserted the, we know the exact number. Um, So I think what you have laid out is a very important point as well, is that this debate over statistics is pretty much meaningless because again, you know, we know that the numbers were large. We don't know the exact numbers. Um, And we can go on debating them with people, but that doesn't minimize the fact that there there was mass targeting and mass extermination and killing and sexual violence and forced uh, displacement of Hindus. Um, and I think that is where you know people try to, you know, as you said they have uh, negative intentions, malified intentions to just minimize it. Uh, and you know people use these statistics around the population changes in Bangladesh. I think there's some you know attempt to say that, you know, because there was no census in 1971. So the census, I think, between 1960 and 1974 was the next one. Oh, see, the Hindu population actually increased by 1.5%, but they're not looking at the whole picture of, well, how much did the entire Bangladesh population increase and what percentage of Hindus increase compared to that? And what were the, you know, the birth rates what should have been the Hindu population increase? And the only focus, well, you know, there's a couple hundred thousand people that actually increase in population, but what should have the actual in 14 year period, that's a very low number. It should have actually been much greater had Hindus not been killed in large numbers or forced to flee in large numbers.
0: Okay, um, first of all, uh, thanks. You know, um, I, I hear this all the time. First of all, uh, nothing to do with genocide at all, as you mentioned. Uh, genocide is genocide, and number game is different. The persecution, ongoing persecution will show uh, the, the number, the way that it has been decreasing uh, downward. Uh, so all of a sudden, um, the, the number of Hindu population was going down, 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 down. All of a sudden, last few years back, they, they started saying, oh, Hindu population increased. You know what? uh, If you believe the studies in Bangladesh, I do not believe them because they—they are manipulated. They will tell you what they want you to show. So this is totally false. The studies they try to show only to serve their own purposes. So if any independent, like international way, they can um, uh, really—they can uh, go for the census, then we can know because. Uh, they have a tendency. Uh, Bangladeshi government, like you know, the government of Bangladesh, actually not run by the political um, political parties, but it is run by the DGA mm-hmm. So it is like um, ISI in Pakistan and DGA is um, uh, they are supposed to uh, look at the armed forces, but uh, unfortunately they are the ones who run the country. So they will try to show who the uh, who the people that what study they want to show. So it's like, uh, I have no belief in it. I do not trust them. So yeah, nobody trusts them really. So statistic, uh, then why we are uh, we are talking about this statistic that we uh, do not even trust that much. So it has, it is not totally made up. It has some truth in it. And we can try to, we are trying to show that with this, this strategy that they are given, even then there are some fault and we can show that how it worked like how the Hindu population went downward. So yeah. with their own, own census, that I do not trust. I still, their census will be showing that. So if they really we can uh, we can do the census uh, independently and fairly, it will show the difference. And also, uh, as, as you said, as you mentioned, that the number of Hindus are going down and they're saying, okay, you know what, uh, Hindu people are not uh, there. There are lots of, uh excuses they are, they are putting forward and obviously it doesn't make any uh, make any sense to anybody uh so if a majority people um the percentage uh, goes up by one percent or two percent then it should be same for the minorities in the society so it only it cannot go down they were negative and they are positive. So, you know, it, it says, um, I don't think that uh, you do not have to be a great genius to understand that policy. Everybody understands that what that means and what they want to show. Uh, and, uh, you know, if you go to Bangladesh and if you tell them that, you know, uh, Hindus are not being um, uh, given jobs in the government service, they will say you are only 8%. So now, and then you say, you know what, Hindus are leaving Bangladesh because of persecution. And then they say, no, you are still 12%. Yeah. So uh, how, yeah. how, how percentage of Hindus in Bangladesh? Uh, uh, someone asked me uh, before a few years back. So how percentage Hindus are in Bangladesh right now? I said it depends on when you are asking me. Yeah. yeah. Right? Sure. <laughs> yeah. So it's like we don't we don't even know how many of us are there because yeah. whatever the government wants us, want the world to believe, that that is our percentage. So there is no really uh, any way, honest way, the fair way to know. Uh, the population, so what the Pakistanis started, these governments are carrying on. So in the name of, uh, they they did not, first of all, they said that it will be a secular country and the constitution said that it will be secular. And then Sheikh Mujib himself joined OIC in 1974. And OIC means OIC, Organization of Islamic Countries. So if you believe your country is not Islamic, it is a secular country, there is no reason for you to join them. Sure. So first of all, you have to understand. You have to believe in your heart that it is an Islamic country that he wanted to see. That's why he joined there. They, they might bring up all these uh, you know um, excuses saying like you know you are so poor at that time we needed help from people. Did they help you? No. They, uh, did they recognize you? No. Not not before. Not even after his death, after the death of Sheikh Mujib. So in his heart, he was a, he wanted to believe, and he believed that it was an Islamic country, only because he, you know, um, so he joined YC. So he started there. And then, obviously, came Jiyaw Rahman. So he uh, actually changed the constitution. All of a sudden, there is no secularism. And then came Ashad, and he even put a state religion. So, and then came again, Aumili government, Shigachina, they didn't even change the state religion they, they promised. So, they, because they're doing everything they, they, together, they have, the, the, uh, the underneath they have the connected, they have a goal that they're trying to show that's totally false. Sure. They have a goal that they're they are always, in their world or they work in tandem and they have the same goal Only because they are fighting each other because of the uh, you know how they can uh, take the opportunities, like um, they can uh, loot and they can um, take the um, instead of the wealth within themselves. But they have no difference in ideology, uh, particularly when it comes about minorities. They have the same. Same targets, they will try to annihilate us. It is Aumalik, it is BNP, it is Jamaat-Islam, it is Jatiya party. So all of them are same. And they have been showing, we have the chart, uh, we have shown it uh, in the past that in um, the number of Hindu people went down every year when, who, irrespective of any political party was, was in power. So, and very, um, very interestingly now, what is going on in Bangladesh right now uh, they have now um, Digital Security Act, and you will see most of the time they will be uh, targeting Hindu uh, um, Hindi students, and most of the time they are mandatory uh, as very good students. They will be targeting and they will take them to jail, even though they are false. They will not be uh, they will not be released, uh, and the people that who are really involved in this kind of um, all these arson um, and this attacking. Uh, you have not heard that you will see, yeah, Okay, people they have arrested 40 people but I was and then another another few months and you say everybody is released and they'll never be tried they will now nothing has to there they do not have to pay anything reparation government is not going to pay the victims the um they're not going to pay the victims uh they are not going to um, go for prison time they'll no trial so everything is what the state of bangladesh is doing now totally against the minorities. So they are really um, the independence of after 50 years, it is not independence for minorities. So there is another, uh, it is totally, totally, um, we have been deceived. And firstly, we have been deceived by just by Sheikh Mojib himself. And then obviously everyone uh, deceived us and we are at, at this point, so mm. It is
1: So very unfortunate. Absolutely. Um, And just for our listeners, the the Digital Security Act is basically an an expansion of the blasphemy laws that are already in Bangladesh and just allow an accusation of a you know, hurting the sentiments of other religions to be prosecuted. But what we see, as you pointed out, is that it's disproportionately used against minorities. It can just be an accusation of a Facebook post or anything like that. And rumors of one where somebody has uh, allegedly insulted the prophet Muhammad or the Quran or said something, or even a criticism, as we recently saw of the extremist Islamist organization, Hafizat the Islam, their leader. And that resulted in uh, arrest as well as uh, mob violence against hindu villages so these are just you know um, an expansion of the current blasphemy laws that are already in the country and just another excuse to be able to uh, prosecute minorities as you rightly pointed out uh, um ashokta before we talk a little bit more about the current situation in bangladesh i wanted to go back to 71 for a minute and just see that if you um you know can share if your family personally or you were impacted by the violence um and if you you know i know it's a difficult subject if you feel comfortable talking about that and what exactly was your own personal experience or your family's experience uh during that time
0: uh, there, uh, you know obviously this is not something good uh, obviously uh, but you know um I was very very young um i was um i in seventy one, I just um, started going to school, um, elementary school. Uh, so I was five years old at the time. So I didn't know, obviously what was happening, but um, my house uh, in uh, it was in a hometown, a small town in Bangladesh in the Burial uh, at the time Borishal District um, in the south part of Bangladesh. <laughs> Kind of interior in a way, a way that uh, there's no communication other than um, river, so only river connected us with the capital city of Dhaka. So um, and, uh, we we used to live in the town, and um, obviously I used to hear all these um, slogans, and I in the morning, I used to hear all the prayers and that the people were chanting all these uh, slogans Joy Bangla. Um, so obviously I did not have any clue, but you know I enjoyed that actually, and every single day. Wake up, and they should. Uh, people are marching, and they're saying, "Joy, Bangladesh!" At that time, I, I, I can understand now. It was close to March when uh, Bangladesh started uh, preparing, uh, preparing to uh, kind of uh, to protect themselves and um, uh, to ag- aggressor against the aggressors uh, of post Pakistan. Um, so it uh, went on, and um, after some time, and I don't obviously have idea um, how many. So one time. Uh, our family um, had to move from the town to the village home, and um, we had uh, our um, we are goldsmiths, so we had um, business of gold in the town. So uh, most of our um, assets are in gold, not uh, like in land. Uh, so anyway, we moved to uh, our village. And so after a few days or months, I do not remember how many, whether it is month or days. So this whole town was uh, set ablaze. Set on fire by the West Pakistani and, and their collaborators, and um, I, I should tell you, Jalagati, um, that hometown of mine, uh, there is um, thirty miles away from Bori that, that that was a district, and uh, and uh, Jalagati was sub district at that time. So it is only thirteen miles away. And so um, it was a business um, uh, a business place. So most of the business people were Hindus, and uh, they were very rich, uh, and uh, so. It was called like at that time uh, the um, uh, business hub of that uh, south southern part of Bangladesh mm-hmm. at that time. So, and sometimes it was called Second Calcutta uh, for these for in business. Uh, so um, all of a sudden, um, the they were uh, the whole town actually, and we could uh, I remember we could see the uh, fire uh, from our village for many days since yeah. it was going on. So we lost everything due to that. And um, then it came, when we um, went to the village, we thought that we will, we will be safe, but you know, then there, uh, before the um, West Pakistani military started coming, uh, the Rajakars, the al that we are talking about, they started um, uh, attacking, uh, looting, uh, even, um, persecuting, raping um, girls um, in, in the villages and everywhere. So in our village, what happened? Um, so we went there and um, we uh, started living there. And my, um, I remember my elder sister, I had two elder sisters at the time. Uh, and we had to send them to, obviously, you know, there in 71. Uh, the uh, Other than these people, the Rajakars, these al most Muslims were also in favor of Bangladesh movement, obviously there are lots of Muslims, even I I should say my um, my father's friend, who was also a Muslim leader, but he helped us a lot. Now uh, actually, he uh, he came to uh, our country our rescue and many others too. There are many Muslims, obviously, there are good, good Muslims, many most of them were good at that time. So they tried to help us. And obviously, these bad people, the al the Rajakars. Uh, they came and they just tried, they looted and they obviously uh, they uh, gave us an ultimatum uh, kind of uh, so they the bad people they will they, uh, one part one, one part of people they will try to show they are bad and some some people are good just as a play it's a game uh, you know bad guy bad cop good cop uh, kind of situation so uh, the bad cop will be coming and looting you and the good cop that good that means. People will come, oh, you know what, we cannot, we cannot save you anymore. Um, you know, they are now trying to kill you and, um, you know, you have to convert now. Maybe if you do not get converted, then we will not be able to save you. So you, as you see, like, okay, these people are so good. They really like you. So they wanted to save you. But they were not. But uh, now I understand at the time. So I I, I could remember a little uh, some faces, but, you know, I forgot their names. Uh, but, you know. <laughs> one of one of the guys that I knew uh, his name was mr Colin <laughs> so uh, we used to we are very good relationship with them this family so this, he, he he himself came to loot our house so I was too young to understand that he was not um, our friends anymore I jumped into his lap <laughs> when he came to loot our family I I jumped into his lap and just uh, hugged him and he he couldn't do anything he was like oh my gosh he, that was things, you know, okay, anyway. So anyway, what happened, uh, my sisters were gone to another uh, Muslim family. They were, they saved my um, good to them, uh, salute to these people. And one day, this uh, was the Pakistanis, they uh, raided our house where we were, we were um, uh, living at the time. So um, the, another family, uh, another girl, that was unfortunate girl, so why, I do not remember why she came, was they did not used to live with us, um, so my own sisters were away from us, and then this girl that uh, who was uh, who was beautiful, and she, unfortunately uh, the bad timing, and he was there. she was there. The um, army raided, and when they raided, um, they came to our house and they separated everybody, and they took that girl by the hair to the interior room, and I heard the scream. Obviously, at the time, I did not have any idea what was going on and i I couldn't realize and everything that what happened to her um so um and uh, at the same time we started getting um getting these so-called friends quote unquote friends or that who wanted us to get converted. They set a date for us when the whole family should be converted in Islam, and uh, they also held one um Islamic ritual in our house, so that you know that is the first um, thing. My father was away, so he used to go into hiding. Um, so then we got the ultimatum, the date within which we have to be converted. Uh, other than uh, otherwise, our those quote-unquote frames could not uh, save us anymore. And uh, that really reminds me of the book um, of Rahul Pandit. Uh, my our moon has a blood clot. So when I read that book, I said, "Okay, it's so similar the same tactics that they used in seventy one, they used the same thing in in Kashmir." So anyway, um, so my father was a bit intelligent, I think, uh, than others. So what he did, he agreed that we'll be converted, no problem. So at the same time, he uh, just sent them a letter, obviously not in his own name, but then in the name of Muktibayani that they were coming to uh, kill all those people because they were torturing others. So as soon as they got the letter, they were like, we so afraid. And they came to us and oh, you know what, we'll do it later. So we'll uh, see. And they tried to resolve this. But, you know, my father also understood that he he wanted to buy some time. Obviously, he knew that with this pulse uh, later, he could not save us. So, um, obviously, I I could know it much later when I grew up. And then I heard this and I knew that, but I did not understand that really how it happened. So, um, we we could uh, buy some time and between that time, Our journey started right um, uh, from hell to uh, our refugee camps. It's a long way. We had to take by boat, and you know the boats, uh, everything unsafe. And uh, during 1971, there's a big big monsoon that really helped, ultimately because of that um, uh, big monsoon, uh, rainwater. um, The West Pakistanis could not move that um, freely; that they used to be able to uh, otherwise. Uh, so um, that also gave us some, uh, obviously, some, uh, cause some too. So we, um, along with our whole family, my grandmother, so it's like, it's a hell. Like I can I can see this uh, long line of refugees and I, I see myself every day that, you know, or I had my, only thing that I had to carry in my uh, bag full of books that I had, my my, my mother and everyone said, okay, you don't have to carry anything, so carry your books. So that way I, I was, uh, you know, we had to go through the muddy, um, muddy fields, um, the swamp, and the, and uh, one time I remember that um, all of a sudden our um, boards used to, these, all the refugees we used to, uh, go by like a uh, flock, like lots of um, uh, lots of boats together. So that for safety reasons, one time I remember that um, when we were going that all of a sudden said the gunboat, gunboat, gunboat means the military were using gunboats and they're coming to attack us. So we, we had to um, hurry up and, you know, um, hide somewhere. And uh, somehow the military could not trace uh, that that was the day that everybody could be uh, killed. Another time we got uh, like um, we got saved by some missionaries, uh, Christian missionaries. Um, uh, when these um, uh, people like uh, albarados, they, in the guise of uh, our friends, they were uh, with us, and um, the missionaries could um, recognize them as robbers and uh, albarados. So they attacked them in the right at the right time, so we saved, got saved. And um, another time, actually the worst time I can say. When we were going with our other relative, distant relatives, so in many many boats um, uh, through these um, big bill's bill's means like um, uh, Howard Bill in Bengali it's like a long swamp, big swamp. Uh, that, uh, so it's like you cannot see the other side. It's very big and dangerous too. Um, so uh, the Rajakars really um, got hold of one, on one or two boats. I do not remember how many boats, but I remember one boat because in one boat all oh, my relatives were there, um, my distant relatives were very close, but um, so um, they took all the adults, um, male adults away from them uh, them, and then let the girls go, women go, and that's all, that is the end of them, they, they never heard about him anymore, uh, him not them. <laughs> So um, I, I see the, um, from there, I could understand that how you, it feels like when somebody is killed, at least uh, it is tragic. Obviously, still you know that somebody is killed, that is the end. But when somebody is taken away uh, forcefully and uh, they do not know what happened to them, so every single day people wait. So I saw um, this family, my uh, very close, I used to go to their house all the time. My I call him Auntie Money Auntie and um, his brother used to call him.
1: <laughs> no.
0: yeah, uncle. So he was a nice guy. Mm. He got killed, but came back.
1: Now no. no. no, take your time. I know this is a a difficult thing to talk about.
0: So, um, so what happened, um, so that's all. When uh, they take care people and then do not come back every single day, people wait for them. Now, as a human rights activist right now, what I'm seeing in Bangladesh is still that is happening. So uh, we have, uh, the political um, minorities, they are in Bangladesh now, they are uh, under the same thing, same pressure. So I feel they are um, pay every single day. Even though this government was supposed to be uh, the one government that um, protects the rights of everyone, uh, political minorities are not safe in, in their hands right now. Obviously, I should not say the political party, they might belong there or they did anything good to the minorities, but that is a different issue. Uh, so when somebody is uh, being taken away, the pain the family uh, they have, their friends have, that is everlasting. you will never be able to... Uh, out of it, because every single day you will be thinking that uh, he's leaving, he's not living, he does not know, you cannot, uh, you can, there's no closure, uh, that is the thing, so um, every single day uh, people are waiting for their relatives, uh, they might be, so this is political, uh, in 71 we, what we felt and still the country is going through that too, that is very bad.
1: No, I thank you Ashokta for sharing that uh, story. And again, I know it's very difficult uh, to talk about the past. So we really appreciate that. Um, you know, I, I, I kind of want to again, fast forward a little bit um, and and then just get some closing thoughts from you. Uh, you know, a lot of the groups that you mentioned that were active then, you know, West Pakistan, obviously Bangladesh gained independence. Um But many of the groups that were collaborating with the government, with the Pakistani government, uh, Jamaat the Islami, is obviously still very active and powerful in Bangladesh. And now other organizations like Jamaat, whether they're connected to Jamaat or separate ones, Similarly, exert uh, a lot of influence and have a a vision of making Bangladesh moving in, down the road to even more of an Islamic country, um, and then with that on one side, and with the Avami League. On the other side, not doing enough for minorities and oftentimes being involved themselves, either legally through the legal system, constitution, or laws like the Digital Security Act, or having their uh, officials involved in the persecution of minorities. What's the way forward for religious minorities? What needs to be done and what can be done? And what would you say to the US uh, government to, you know, how can our you know, from our perspective here in America, you know, what can we put pressure on our government officials to do to help the minorities in Bangladesh?
0: Uh, first of all, thanks. Uh, actually, um, the government has uh, much leverage. The U.S. government has much leverage in Bangladesh because mm. it really depends on many things uh, from the U.S. And there's a lot of big minority, um, big Bangladeshis present in in the U.S., um, and obviously, uh, we have uh, the government. U.S. government uh, had a very big role and an actually obligation, a moral obligation too, because in 1971, U.S. U.S. government at that time, of people were always in favor of Beng- Bengalis at that time in 1971, but not the government. So U.S. government has a moral duty towards Bangladesh in in, in addition to the legal uh, duties, like uh, what is happening in Bangladesh right now and what happened in 1971. They should put things together, connect it, and they should uh, take a stance like, um, first of all, asking the government to redress it. And obviously there should be some mechanism, international mechanism, but because, you know, the Bangladesh government is very good at lying so they will be trying to show everything that is not true. So we need kind of uh, supervision, international supervision in everything. So everything they say, and if they say, okay, we are a sovereign country, a uh, sovereign country is a sovereign country when they do everything in a humanistic way, a democratic way. When a sovereign country, you cannot just exclude your sovereignty to uh, cause human devastation to to violate human rights and to kill your own people, and sovereignty cannot be your your, your um just uh, shield, uh. To, so you you um everywhere you are sovereign when you do this thing that the way it's supposed to be. So any U.S. government should come up with um some conditions, terms and uh, conditions with anything aid or any uh, any other thing. So also um they should come forward. Uh, to um, uh, you know, categorically um, you know, uh, identify people who are involved in kind of human rights um, um, violence and violations, abuse um, uh, in the within the administration, political leaders, Islamist party uh, in seventy one and after seventy one. So there are laws in this country too, and so we can use that. that the government can uh, be uh, very um, active in that way. So it will uh, be very easy. To take care of those people like um, we can uh, they can also uh, declare the djfi as an entity right um, uh, so uh, the, if that, that is being done then obviously anyone uh, involved with the djfi can be uh, uh, can, uh, will be under pressure to uh, tell the truth everything uh, should be come out what is what they did to um uh, tribal area what they are doing to, you know what their role in uh, in this on the uh, Facebook seeing like uh, the false um um false uh, propaganda and then uh, uh, torturing or then setting up the whole whole village torturing Hindus and then they will be going so they knew they know everything there are anything, nothing can be happened without the um without the knowledge of this uh, DGFI and the other intelligence um, agencies. So that is true. So if they know everything beforehand, then why did not they do that? Because they wanted to happen it because they have their own intention, a malafide intention. Uh, so my point is uh, so we have, and also these people that are, who are involved with these organizations and or anything, so they should be targeted and they should be um, a person, on, they be uh, a declared person on grata or they should be de- stopped from coming to this country or any of our visiting countries or they, if they come to this country or anywhere in the world. They should be faced with um, kind of uh, any suit uh, that um, they've been done. So uh, you know, there, there are lots of things can be done. Bangladesh is not a China. not China that uh, which has um, an enormous power financial, and so it will be very difficult to uh, do anything against China. But uh, but we cannot just say because China, we cannot do anything with China, so we should not do anything with Bangladesh too. But uh, at least uh, it is something to be done with the Chinese. We obviously hate what is happening to our Muslims, uh, but we could not um, we could not do enough of them because of the region. Everybody knows. Uh, but uh, Bangladesh should not get away with uh, all these things that they are doing to their minorities. And also, I am saying like um, the political minority, the religious minorities obviously the first victim. But in the in these days, the political minorities are also. And uh, so um, I, I wish we can broaden this definition of minorities, the political minorities. So my point is like those political, when you call our political minorities, they will include most of them are Muslims. Um, so um, the situation, what happens in Bangladesh like, um, and like any other country, when uh, there is a, a down, downward um, to the law and order situation, the minorities will be hit most. And that will not really, I held the majority of the other um, political minorities at all. So ultimately they will be suffering too. Uh, so at that point, US government, uh, obviously United Nations, they should come up with some study, like uh, there is a large large presence of peacekeepers in um, United Nations force, um, uh, peacekeeping force uh, from Bangladesh. And uh, I, I believe there are many, many, uh, many, many uh, army uh, they are involved with uh, DGFI, and they are involved with some persecution in uh, in uh, Chittagong Hill Tract. So we should, uh, they should come clear and clean that w- who were involved in it. They should be um, uh, tried. And if the government of Bangladesh does not do that, so we have to just stop them from coming in, they are from included. So all these things we can do um, uh, to. Uh, protect uh, human rights of the minorities. Uh, I mean, uh, religious minorities and political, other political minorities as well. So, we, if we can, uh, yeah, it, it's a human. Really, uh, what is happening in Bangladesh right now is a human suffering. So, mostly the minorities are suffering, but uh, many uh, political opponents, you know, uh, political minorities, they are also suffering at the same time. So, they, 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 uh, they also deserve justice. So, we should um, be voicing against that too.
1: Absolutely. And final uh, question or thoughts to leave us with about the importance importance in recognizing this uh, Bengali Hindu genocide, having an official recognition, whether it's the U.S. government, um, whether it's others, if you could just you know briefly leave us with the final thought on why it's so critical to recognize that officially, like other genocides have been recognized in the past.
0: Um, actually, you know, he, it is, deal, uh, it is um, not for any uh, particular population that uh, recognition is not that um, because we are victims, we need that. We obviously, uh, we are the first that we deserve it because that we can know. We know that uh, the, the sufferings we went through, uh, people recognize that, um, we recognize that. Uh, but it is for the human history that so that it does not happen again anywhere in the world. It is not for Bengali Hindus that we are not we will not be the only beneficiary of this recognition. The world, whole world will be beneficiary of that because anything happens, any human violation, as you already know, was saying that any any violation anywhere in the world is a violation uh, everywhere. So, so we if you take take that way, so it is not that we, we are bringing it up because we know it. We went through it. Uh, and still we are going through it. So that's a, we are the ones who are bringing it up to them, but it is not less important for them to recognize it. Uh, it is equally important for everyone, for every consensus people, everyone who uh, loves democracy, who loves uh, in a democratic world, and who want to see uh, that the uh, world is a peaceful one. So it is equally important for everyone, every nation, every country.
1: Absolutely absolutely and with that I want to urge all of our listeners to themselves go and take action everybody can do something visit hinduamerican.org visit our landing page on the Bengali Hindu genocide contact your members of congress contact your local city council members your state officials ask them to make statements Um, ask them to help support a resolution on this issue on this genocide recognition it only will take a few minutes of your time but it's critically important Important, Not just for those of the past and remembering the lost and the survivors, but also to make sure that such atrocities never happen again. And with that, I want to thank Ashok Kumar so much for his time today um, and for the you know very wonderful and uh, personal conversation. Thank you so much, Ashoka. Thank you.
0: Thank you, for having everyone, listening.
1: Well, that's it for this episode of That's So Hindu. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It's how you can help the show get discovered by more listeners. You can help ensure that more of these get made by making a donation to HAF at www.hinduamerican.org/ donate.